0: Welcome to Rooted and Unwavering, a podcast and radio show which features leaders from all walks of life in conversations about courageous connectedness. How do we stay connected to our best selves, especially when we are challenged? What becomes possible when we truly stay committed to our own and others' greatness, also when we don't feel it? Join host Hilke Faber. Transformational coach, facilitator, and award winning author of Taming Your Crocodiles, and his guests as they explore leadership greatness in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering.
1: Welcome to Rooted and Unwavering. This is our 13th episode of this podcast. We're broadcasting live from Business Radio X in Phoenix where we help leaders connect more deeply to their innate potential. And today I'm here with my friend and guest, Augusto Munch. I'm so happy you're here. Augusto, how are you today?
2: Everything's great, Hilke. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, welcome to everyone that uh, that just connected to the broadcast.
1: Wonderful. Well, it's very good to be with you. We're going to have a conversation today about connectedness, as we do in all of these podcasts about connectedness and Before I introduce you a little bit more, Augusto, I want to say a little bit more about this podcast series. This is like a biweekly moment where we share about what is it like to be truly connected to our best selves and also acknowledging that we get tempted and challenged and run around in our minds so many times uh, to not be that. And so this podcast series is to help us by listening to leaders like Augusto Uh, to be inspired, to come back and to choose again, to to continue choosing again. It's like, what is it like to come back to who I truly am, to really become what the world needs us to become, to aspire uh, to be what we want to be, to be our best selves. And um, I love learning from leaders uh, that tell me stories, that tell us stories, that tell experiences about their experiences of staying connected and helping others be connected in their worlds and helping others do the same. So without further ado, I'm going to say a bit more about Augusto. Augusto has been with a pharmaceutical company Bering Ingelheim since in July of 1999. And if I do the math Augusto, that's about 25 years or close to it, which is in today's world uh, a record and a, a big testament. You are currently the president of uh, Birger Ingelheim, Mexico, Central America, and Caribbean. Uh, and you uh, started off in, probably in infrastructure and management and more the technology side of things. And you've from there held leadership roles across the world. So you're a true corporate global citizen. Um, you've been in Asia Europe and Latin America, and I think you're now leading from a place and living in a place that's closer to where you very much, your start of your life was, as I understand it. Uh, you're passionate about uh, leadership, about consciousness, about leadership evolution. You've had um, management degrees from different schools. I, I think that's one of the things that's so beautiful about you. You're so innately curious about life. You are—you've um, been uh, instrumental in in your own development. You've pursued courses at INSEAD and also Columbia Business School Executive Education, which is where we met. You've also studied with Fred Kaufman, who's also one of my mentors in the into the philosophy of conscious business. Uh, you've been practicing, leading as coach. This is how we met in the course at. Columbia Business School Executive Education, and you also obtained a certification in the Aleph Trust Transpersonal Coaching Psychology Principles that allow for a holistic coaching approach. So when I think of you, Augusto, I know your stated values are honesty, integrity, justice, fairness, and respect. And when I think of you, you truly embody those. What stands out for me about you is you are a person that whatever situation you're in, the human humanity and your heart is on the foreground, and you help all of us to to stay in that place and to come back to that place. So so happy to hear you here, have you here today, Augusto? Um, I'd love to for you to to start us off with a first reflection on connectedness, and maybe you can say a bit about how you have learned about connectedness in your own, own life and leadership. What has it been like?
2: Thanks, uh, thanks, Hilke, for that introduction. And uh, first and foremost, thanks for having me, Fee, here. And there are several elements of our, in our conversation that will come up or that have popped up ever since I received your invitation to connect today. And before going to particularly to that point that you're asking, interesting that I lived as a kid in a city called Hermosillo in the north of Mexico. Um, and we used to go to Arizona very often so we used to go to tucson maybe every couple of weeks or three weeks we went to phoenix a couple of times so the fact that you're sitting there and that i'm now maybe 20 30 years here after i lived in sonora in a in a radio broadcast from a phoenix um a you know company just gives additional um, happiness to my heart to be here today with you um and and i think it talks as well about connectedness and, and how c- you can find these opportunities to remain connected and be connected if you're open to it or if your mind is open and observant to what happens in your surroundings. Um, I think the process that I lived in Berner Ingelheim that you were reflecting on, I've been 23 years in the company, this is my 24th year. Your math was quite accurate. Um, it it took time for me and a lot of reflection to find out what connectedness really meant, and um, a lot of experiences throughout this time, this period of time, where I had to come back to this to my roots, to connect myself to my own roots, um, to continue moving forward uh, in the company and in life clearly as 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 it happens, um, and I can share. Many experiences with you. The the first time I had a team, and maybe we start there. Um, so I'm a computer systems engineer, as you said, and uh, and then I moved to the business side, and I had one team uh, at the very early stages in my career here in Mexico. Um, and for some reasons, this was a call center team, and for for some reasons, the team, you know, the day to day challenges that they were facing made them. Either take one call that was supposed to go to one person, it went to another person, and and they felt that they were the competition wasn't fair and so on. So and, and we had a weekly meeting. And this meeting was just to review objectives, where were we so very business oriented, see where we were, what results were we getting. But if but we used the first 20 minutes, half an hour of that meeting to talk about personal topics, to talk, so to have the team saying, you know, you stole my call. No, you took my call. No, the X, Y said, Augusto, this is what happened. This person so on. And if we did not go through this moment to clear the air sort of, of all the backgrounds, that, all the topics that were happening in the background, then the discussion about business was very unproductive. So very early in life, I recognized that the biggest challenges that we had as if we were to develop as leaders, as leaders are not related really to the business itself, but are related to people, are related to connectedness with your own roots and with the rest of the people that you work with, with these relationships. So quite early in this development as a leader with MBI, um, I started exploring why we behave like we do, what happens in the background, Um, What is the culture that you have in your team and how supportive is that culture to actually fostering that connectedness and having conversations, having difficult conversations and ensuring that we are um, true to ourselves, but also true to the values of the team, true to the values of the organization that you're
1: working with. I love that. And I want to go back to that moment of the space in the beginning of the conversation. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment, and before that, I just want to echo what you just said about Sonora, uh, and so the Sonora, for those of us who are not familiar with it, is it's a desert-like landscape, and um, I just want to say how thankful I am to that landscape, because I find it's very helpful in connecting with truth and what's true, because it's so barren, uh, and yet so full of life, and to me, there's There's a clearing that happens when I walk in the desert. And so when I think about what you just said about this conversation with your colleagues, I intuit there's a similar sense of clearing that happened in the beginning of the meeting where people are able to get it out, get it out. So my question to you is, what do you sense then lies behind the clutter like once people have expressed the clutter, yeah, you did this, you took my call, I feel frustrated or whatever. And I, I know this is in the beginning of, of leadership meetings a lot where we do a check-in, which I know you do as well. And there's like the first person talks and it's still a little bit clouded and stressed. And I'm like thinking about the last meeting or whatever it is. And then at some point it starts to calm down. So what is it that we access as we go through that process of connecting, what are we connecting to, Augusto?
2: My, uh, it's. Uh, I think you must experience it to actually try to uh, to sense it because it's it's uh, it's relaxing. It's you, you access your core if you if you allow me to say it that way. You see, in in my experience, and I'm gonna try to say it with my own words, Hilke, There is a lot of noise on the constant day to day. There there are unconscious uh, traits that come out, depending on the situation we're living, that start deviating our attention towards other stuff that might not be at the core of what you truly are or of what you should stand for. Even professionally, let's say business objectives, right? I have the fortune to work for a company that is focused on people health. So the objective of our or my daily job is ensuring that the products we have go to people who need them when they need them to save lives, to improve quality of life. So, So anything else that stands in the way I define as noise, right? So it's some sort of a distractions and things that get along the way that sometimes unconsciously come to us, or most of the times unconsciously come to us, right? And then we talk about amygdala and taming your crocodiles and the reptiles. You can, we, and there's another uh, experience that I want to share um, with with the audience, if you allow me, later on, on, on particularly on that. But once you're able to put your attention outside of that noise, or to clear that air, that noise, then you can truly start. Looking into and focusing on your on your core, on your objective in life, on your on your um, purpose, on the objective of even if it's professionally, of the objective of the meeting itself, and it's not until you reach that stage that you're truly productive.
1: Yeah, it's, it's clearing away the noise. It's clearing away the noise as you're saying, and then you get to the ground, like of what truly is important. Why are we here? The purpose, the objectives, the human connection comes to the fore. Our our wisdom comes to the fore. There's a sense of being relaxed, and it's interesting, Augusta. That there's almost like the daily clutter. Like it's a daily cleansing. Like, and maybe sometimes more than daily. Like brushing your teeth multiple times a day. Yeah. To getting back to the the cleanliness of the the peace that lies within. So you're speaking about this and I sense this in your being that, you know, this is so mature in you. It's so like in you. And I I know that when I'm with you that I sense that. Can you say a bit about your your own personal journey? Because I know you lead from this place as you are president in this company and in some of the many other places of your life, but how did you cultivate this? How did you discover this? How did you learn to discern the clutter from the clarity?
2: It's it started uh, a few years back, six or seven years back, and it's and you described uh, the the process that I lived through. Um, the first instance where I started exploring it with a theory behind, because in practice, the. the the experience I shared with you was way better. was 25 years ago, where we had these meetings with the with the call center, and we used the space initially uh, to to clear the air, and then go to the go to the core of the of what we were supposed to be doing in the meeting. So, in in practical terms, in, it happened earlier. But when when it started, and this is a computer systems engineer head, right? So when it started falling into the into the square where it had to fall. It was when I met um, uh, Fred Kaufman in this Conscious Business, uh, Conscious Business Certification, because the theory on how we behave, on you know the it, the we, and the me, and in this in this triangle that is described very nicely in, in Conscious Business, it just made sense. So, in every in every situation I'm facing, in every meeting I'm, I'm uh, participating in, it, in every in every conversation I have what is it that makes me feel uncomfortable is it the is it the, the purpose the professional purpose that I have is it the relationships I'm having along the way that are needed for me to get to that to that objective that I need to fulfill or is it something internally that actually is making me feel uncomfortable and once you start you know dividing um, the uncomfortableness or the noise within these these three um these three angles that every situation we face could have, uh, then you then you start prioritizing what's important for you. Uh, initially, this conscious business process changed a lot of things in me uh, and made a lot of sense to experiences I had before. But it left me with way more questions than answers, again okay? and, and this is something I, I think once you start this path of self-reflection and trying to understand why we act as we do, you find out that it's it's a, it's a process. And if you, and this is hard, but if you believe you've reached, you know, a stage where you're the wise man ever, the fall that you have when you realize you're just beginning hurts even more. So every time you say, nah, I've done it, I've taken so many courses and so on, and then and then you go to work and you face a situation and you lose again, you snap again because of this noise. And you say, Oh, how can it happen? Right. I've I've been I've been doing this training and it and you have go back to square one, try to align yourself with your roots, try to clear clear the air, and then you can focus again on, on where you were coming from. So it, it left me with more questions than answers. And that led me to continue searching. And, and that's, fortunately enough, that's where we met in the, uh, in the Columbia Business School either as coach, training. But it again had, where I had more questions than answers. And, it, and it's a continuous process. Um, it's, it's a continuous learning and training process that we need to come back to, as you said, like brushing your teeth on a daily basis. Right,
1: right. So there's, and I, I see in you, That one way you work to get clarity and and connect to that clarity uh, and work through the clutter is by, first of all, doing a little inventory of the clutter. Like, okay, so is it something going on with the it, with my purpose, with the task? Is something going on with my relationships that's bothering me or that's pulling me off base or is it something within me? I would argue it's always something within me because it's my relationship to what's happening around me that is co- pulling me off clutter, like pulling me off center. Right? Nothing can make me feel. It is about how I interpret and how I relate with, as, as you're talking about as well. And then you're saying something about using your curious mind and your humility. Yes. So... Now, I can't help but ask you, Augusto, because you talked about the wise man and falling. And I don't see you as a person who's arrogant, who is arrogant and says, oh, you know, you know, I've got <laughs> this.
2: I fear. I fear. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and yet, when I heard you talk about the fall, I sensed that you may have experienced that in micro, macro or medium way. So maybe you can speak a bit about, quote unquote, the fall in your own life how you've experienced that maybe give us an example of the fall and you know how you work through that
2: so i can i i have one experience that where you actually were involved and i'm and, I, and i'm gonna share it with your permission with the audience and with everyone that's hearing this recording as well so um through exploring the fear families um that i that i have in me um, and where is our you know, everyone has fears. I'm now preaching to the Pope here, but so every <laughs> all of us have fears, right? And and in that exploration, one of the fears um, that is very high in me often is this fear of feeling accepted or being left out, right? So this is this is this is what happens and or what happens to me. And um, at one point in my professional career in Berner-Ingelheim, in my in my mental model, in my mental map. There were a few key stakeholders back in Germany in our head office that had to that must have a say of where Augusto was going to go as a next step, right? Um, so I, in, in my head, I, I had clarity that if I want to continue to be successful in the company, these three or four people need to accept Augusto, right? Otherwise, I'm not going to move. Um, and all went fine with, with this group of people, except with one person. And, well, and let me first show you what happened in my unconsciousness, and then I'll come to the, to the conscious part of, or to this clarification of what happened to me. So I'm in a meeting in Germany, global meeting, all colleagues there, et cetera. And then I go have dinner with my team to a restaurant nearby, the hotel, very nice restaurant, TVs, you know, soccer matches, playing around, having a beer, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden, I start feeling ill, and and I feel my heart pounding real fast, and my and my head feeling fussy, and and I started feeling unhealthy. Um, and I try to relax in the restaurant, and I you know have continue having my beer and chatting with kids. But on the way back to the hotel, I asked my teammates that were together with me, you know, guys can you please take me to a hospital? I'm not feeling well. We went to the urgency room in a hospital in Frankfurt, crossing the river and immediate, you know, immediate attention, EKG, like the whole process to get, like I thought I was having a, like an anemia, my, my cardiac infraction, a heart attack. Um, everything was perfect, Hilke. So everything was, you know, EKG, perfect. They even did this test that there's an additional test to see if, if you have some other type of myocardial infraction, nothing, everything was perfect. And then the doctor said in the emergency room, said, you know, he started touching my back and said, does it hurt here, does it hurt here, does it? And then he reaches a point, oh, it really hurts. Yes, that hurts. So he says, can you tell me, is that the same spot that hurts in front in your chest? And I said, yes, exactly the so, same. He so, said, you know, that's a nerve that gets inflammated when you're going over stress. Have you been stressed lately? I said, yeah. I, yes, right there. You're a CEO of a company. I was still, I was back then already a CEO uh, for the company in another geography. So you're fine. Everything's fine. Try to work on your stress. You know, Ancelite, some prescription. I said, no, I'm not taking Ancelite. I, I can take care of this myself. Went back to the hotel. You know, did some meditation, what have you? Came back to the country where I was living, and then we had a part of the part of the training that you were leading, the leaders' coach training. You asked for a volunteer to bring a case, and I brought that case. And then we started scratching, what happened to me. And it turned out that this fear of not being accepted by someone that I thought was very important for my future in the company made me starting, started to behave and develop traits that were not natural to me. Mm-hmm. That made me feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. without success. Mm-hmm. So the outcome of that session that, that we had was when you start behaving, so the, the risk of, um, you know, following on your fear and not being conscious about it is that you fall on complacency, yes, again, as you said. And becoming complacent, I remember very well that question that you made. Augusto, imagine that that person actually has a say in your future within the company. Just for a second, just imagine that that person actually has a say. Now, what is the Augusto that he would want to see for him to decide for you? Is it an Augusto that falls strongly to his beliefs and values and that fights for them? Or is it the Augusto that becomes complacent because he wants to become accepted? And, and that was a huge fall. And <laughs> that was a huge, huge fall. Um, and I come back to that quite often um, because I still fall into, uh, I still have little falls from time to time. So I, I consciously come back to that point, Hilke, um, To realize that no matter what you're facing, for you to be comfortable, you have to be aligned to your values, to your purpose, Gain that connection with yourself, with capital S, right? Uh, and try to get away from all the noise that, uh, that makes you end up in a
1: hospital. Yes, yes, yes. The Cherokee says, listen to the whispers so you don't have to hear the screams. And that nerve saying, ah, was saying, no, 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 no. You are literally out of alignment. And I think many of us can relate to that. Uh, and the, the severe impact of being out of alignment and, and leading to physical discomfort, disease, all kinds of things that we're familiar with. And then if we're not conscious, we're going to try to solve for that. And it becomes even more complicated. Medicines and treatments and all kinds of stuff, but not looking at the root. And I love how you talked about the root, which you identified as fear. Like, I am afraid of something. And I'm no longer going to be driven by this fear in this case of being not accepted. So I can actually be my true self. And you know, we talked about the fear paradox in that course. I remember like when we give into what we fear, we actually co-create <laughs> what we fear. Right? So had you given into this, you definitely wouldn't have gotten the job because you might've been dead. Yeah. No, for yeah. example, or like a, uh, Mm, a wind vane. Nobody likes to be led by a wind vane. That's just... uh,
2: By by continuing, so by not questioning that level of uncomfort that you have and understanding where it comes from, you create actually the situation that you were fearing for. This is exactly what you're saying, the fear paradox. So It was really, really helpful. Um, and as I said, this is, so it's, it's your, as you know, it's unconscious. So the, the, it doesn't go away. That fear continues to be there. Yes. The, the uh, practice is try to identify it earlier, <laughs> you know, uh, and on, a, on a daily basis, try to see if there is anything today that makes you feel uncomfortable. As you said, just like brushing your teeth. Yeah.
1: So I have, have the courage to look at what's uncomfortable, and I love that you didn't make it bad. I actually love the courage that you had to even talk to your teammates and say, "Take me to the hospital." Right? That was that was a courageous act to also already start to heal some of that fear, mm-hmm. because that does not see, show me like I have a strong leader. He needs to go to the hospital. I can imagine that that sort of not going over well very well for the ego mind. And then you talking about the fall. And so maybe last reflection before we go take a short break, maybe share with us a little bit about that process of what happens within you when you become aware that you have been driven by some unconscious pattern, fear, whatever it might be, and then choosing to accept that as opposed to going to denial. What is that process like for you?
2: It's a it's a complex process, Hilka. It's uh, your ego, you know, uh, jumping up and saying, "No, you're not." You can't, like you have two choices: either you say that's not true, right, Hilka? Augusto, that can't be. You're president and CEO of Berner England. That's not that's not it. But after being in a hospital, <laughs> it was very hard for me to say no. You're, it doesn't work that way. But I also find myself, um, and this is a reflection that I've had after many, or going through all these courses, right? Um, If you really connect to your core and you really understand, well, I don't know if understanding is the right word, but you try to understand, right? If you pursue this way to try to understand where your core lies, where, where that is, where your values are, then you will find the discrepancies between what you do and and your core values. Um, I have an anchor that I developed very early um, in my in in the courses that I've taken. Um, that reminds me to go back to being humble, and and I and I have it. At all time with me, (laughs) Um, it it goes with me to every meeting, every single space. Um, Because I, I, again, the fall as as you believe that you're more prepared, the the fall hurts more. But there are like little falls from time to time that uh, when you brush your teeth, you say, "Okay, how can this be? I'm, uh, I'm falling again for this noise that is in the way, right?" Yes. And and it just makes you snap. So I have I, I've developed cert, a, a certain anchor that makes me go back to, in a as fast as I can, to this level of humility to acknowledge that there's noise and and there's something that is bothering me that is not aligned to the core value that I have.
1: Thank you. Well, I'd like to explore more what that anchor. And you point to your wrist here for those who are listening. Uh, That's always with you. What is that like and how do you practice that and how do you return? um, Even to humility and then with humility, how do you return to your core and what you've been learning about your core and the discrepancy between the core and not following your core. So um, what I really loved about this conversation already is your heart opening honesty like i feel so much honesty and vulnerability in what you're saying and being able to say yeah this is where i take the falls and how much strength that comes in that comes online in that by just being able to acknowledge that because that's the clearing as we start this conversation today that allows for the depth to be there as opposed to running around and denying that there's something going on so let's take a break now and then after the break we'll explore more with Augusto Munch, president in Beringer-Ingelheim, about what it's like to return to Anchor and discover more about CORE. You are
0: listening to Rooted and Unwavering, presented by Growth Leaders Network, the leadership, team, and culture development company. If you would like to learn more about working on connectedness for yourself, your team, or organization. Please contact Growth Leaders Network on LinkedIn. And now, back to the show.
1: Yeah, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, uh, you're listening to Root and Unwavering. We're talking with Augusto Munch, the uh, president in uh, president in Ingelheim. We've been talking about the fall, like the fall from stability, from comfort. From thinking we know to a place of humility and then actually finding out more about our core so just before the break august you start talking about this anchor that helps you can you say more about that
2: sure um so for for uh, whoever is joining that is not a word or or that hasn't used that term anchor right it's a in uh, throughout the throughout all the processes that I've lived or the the coaching uh, instructions that we've had, you try to explore a a certain element that brings you back to consciousness, right? And that could be an experience depending on depending on the philosophy you follow for coaching. There's different theories, um, but the intention is: what can you do on your day to day that distracts you from the noise that you will hear? through your daily life and brings you back to consciousness and to be able to observe yourself um, as if you were a third party, right? Outside of you and, and to try to analyze how you're behaving and see if you're aligned to the person that you actually want to be, right? And and the, the hard part, at least for me or in my experience is how do you go back from the day-to-day mindset and um, the day-to-day stress or your challenges that you're facing on a daily basis to absorb yourself from, there, yourself from there and be able to, you know, to observe yourself and see if you're there. And I use uh, a bracelet that, um, well, I've used several now, but the, the current one is one that I've had maybe for the last couple of years. And it's just a small, you know, bracelet that I that I wear on a daily basis, black one, for those that are not. Uh, that do not have the image right now. And every time I see it or I feel it, I remind myself of my big ego. And I remind myself that the best path to, to get my, my feet back on earth, to get connected again to my root, is to be humble. And then a couple of you know, inhalations and exhalations later, I am more connected to myself. I don't know if ideally, but in a very brief period of time, you can get yourself from any situation you're living to a different state of mind um, in, the, in the process you're facing or in the, um, the challenge you might be facing at that point in time.
1: So taking a step back, third-party-like mm-hmm. observation of self with the intention of becoming grounded again in reality in what's true, Yes. And I'm curious about this black piece of rope, and you mentioned the word ego, Augusto. So why to get connected, to get rooted? Do you think about ego? Uh,
2: Because in my, or at least in my experience, or in my belief today is that... um, in today's world, and in the job that I'm currently holding, uh, it is very easy to follow your ego to to not let go or to not accept challenges because of your ego. Because there's a position that you hold, you're president and CEO of a big organization globally, a pharma company. You've been there for 23 years. What are what's what's anyone from the management committee to colleagues in you going to teach me, you know, I am the wise leader that knows everything. That's not true. I'm not. Um, but sometimes my unconsciousness or my ego, you know, gets into stage and, and it makes me develop these feelings of saying, well, hang on. Why, why are you saying that to me? I'm the, you know, I'm the president and CEO and so on. Um, Instead of so you get to assumptions very fast when your ego comes in. Instead of you know going back a couple of steps and start asking questions of why um, you're being told what you're being told. There is a reason behind everything, right? Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So keep your self right sized. Sounds like um, that's uh, very very interesting how you talk about that. Can you talk to us a little bit about as president and CEO leader of an organization and for you Augusto what are some of your most pesky ego identities that you meet on a day-to-day that you are like huh come back here I'm not no, not not today not right now
2: I think it's the expectations that culture and societies have on mm-hmm. bosses right or that you feel that society um, depicts on bosses that are widely accepted, right? On on a president of a country, or you know, the, there's there's a certain image and expectations that society has, or that society could have, not necessarily has, but could have, on on leadership. And in, you know, this you you're a boss, you cannot. Black. I'm filling the blank, right? You're the boss. You cannot, whatever. You can. So, but you, you just said, said uh, mentioned a very uh, interesting example. So you're, you're the boss. You're, you have to be strong. Why are you asking me to go to, to take you to a hospital, right? Assume one of my teammates, uh, and, and listen, I was the boss of the group that took me to the hospital, right? Say, wait, wait, wait. No, uh, you, you can't. You can't go to the hospital. I, I will not take you to the hospital because you're the boss. And you need to have your my in your hotel room. You're. Not, I, I think you, society and us ourselves have created this image of a leader um, that if we fall to or if we try to follow it, we might end up having or, or having that or making that part of the daily noise that actually is affecting your true self or, or influencing how you behave and ultimately challenging your purpose and the values that you're striving to lead by.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. So we've talked about, you could say, the dark side for quite a bit, like the, the muck, the noise. I also want you to talk a bit about your core values and what you've discovered about those. And early in our conversation, you mentioned about an experience you'd like to talk about, so maybe this is also the time to do that. Uh, I really would love to hear that because what I sense with you, Augusto, is that you've almost fallen in love with the core. So that whenever you stray, it's like, nah, that's not it. I'm going to have to come back. You know what, what back means. So to say a bit more about your core values and, and what you've learned about those.
2: the um, I, I would... Um, I would reach, I, like. I would everything that I strive for and the values that I live for. I think can be can be pinpointed with one word that you actually used um, in the invitation to to this program, and that is compassion. Right. We are for a. My belief right now, my, my mindset is we are the biggest critics of ourselves, right? So if we are so critical to ourselves that we believe um, we need to behave according to certain patterns or we um, that fear drives us X and Y, so we can very easily become very uncompassionate over our own self. And you can talk about respect, humility, integrity. If you start practicing compassion with your own self and then expand it to your biggest self, with yourself with capital S, and we can talk a bit more about it if you want, you will follow and live by these values that I was sharing with you earlier, and that I and then you share with everyone that's listening right now that I live by. So respect, integrity honesty. It's it's just understanding that we're human beings, that we're far from perfection and that we're on constant evolution and constant improvement. Maybe maybe I can share with you um, something that I have experienced in this last um, part of the the transpersonal coaching psychology. Um, It is based on a very interesting concept, which is... um, Become or expand your awareness. It's it's through a process that not only you become aware of your own self, like a a meditation-like process, but then you start expanding the level of your awareness and start expanding, going beyond your own self and starting being conscious about your biggest self with capital S, this level of connectedness that you may have with everything. And then if you're able to observe yourself, not only with, with, um, with small s, but with capital S, you see that the issue you're facing um, in Earth might be bigger than you, but that you are also bigger than whatever issue you're facing. And I keep coming to that. Um, Because in in these sessions, with the open awareness level, you create a space, it's called a liminal space and so on. I'm not going to go through the process right now, but you create a space where you understand that no matter what happens and no matter what challenge you're facing, everything is fine. Because you are you and you're in this growth process. Mm -hmm. And that's just fascinating, Hilke, to go to that concept where... If if you are actually with someone in, in one of the sessions and you reach that stage to say, you know what? I was worrying about nonsense stuff deep in my heart and and deep in my values and in my in my purpose,
1: it will all be fine. Yeah. I love the sentence that you said that. Um, I am bigger than me also that problems are bigger than me and because I'm bigger than me and problems are bigger than me it's okay and now I'm doing the rational part of what you said and then also you, as you talked I could sense the transmission of the broader awareness that includes everything and everyone and all times and there's a sense of okayness in that So, from the day-to-day chair, I have to ask then, but Augusto, you have objectives. You are president of a company. Oh, and by the way, you live in a world where there's lots of issues. Global warming, polarization, wars, etc. Right? Long lists. So describe a bit about how you connect to that liminal perspective, without and and connect to what I just said, without going into denial or spiritual bypasses.
2: That's that's a very interesting point you're bringing because that's often um, a belief that is shared globally again according to expectations of what we should do as a company and so on. My own experience, and I'm gonna talk about my own experience, what happens to me is by fostering this understanding or this level of self-reflection within teams or, or this increased or improved level of consciousness within the teams you lead, results come quite easy so, and I keep explaining this or telling, sharing this with my team. So, result, if you as an analyze for one moment the word result, right? You see, we are, we're in a company, you need to achieve results, and you need to, I don't know, move X amount of boxes to patients and so on for, on a yearly basis, and you need to achieve this certain result. Clear. A result is just a result. So, it's the reflection of work that you've done, if it's a yearly objective and you are assessing a yearly result, is just the outcome of 365 days working together. And those 365 days working together, even if it's with a two millimeters, sorry, we use millimeters in Mexico, but let's say a quarter of an inch better every day. If you can and commit to becoming one quarter of an inch, of an inch, a better version of your own self, daily. There's no way that those results are going to be bad. Even if you do not reach those results, the outcome for the total company is much better. So my, my theory and the theory behind this, um, I am trying and um, you know working towards having a better company, because if the addition of every single colleague that works in Beringer Ingelheim strives to be a better version of themselves, we will all make a better version of Beringer Ingelheim.
1: Yes, I hear you. I hear you. So how do you then talk to somebody, right, who is maybe in the beginning of the meeting of the clearing? It's like, "Ah, I'm in it and I have this target and now I have to have fewer resources and these guys in the other department are not talking to me or whatever the issue du jour might be, right? These things that are common. How do you interact with that? So we're, we're starting, we, I
2: have with, uh, with my own team, with my management committee team, twice per year, we move out of the office and, and we spend three or four di- days closer to nature and, you know, helped with a, with a business coach um, not to talk about the objectives but to talk about how we work together because you just said something very important in your sentence on your question she's listen i have less resources and my objective is very challenging and this person would not talk to me right and and this is like most nine out of ten times that you're facing a problem in a company and it is due to avoiding a difficult conversation, right? Why is this person not talking to you? Have you you tried to reach that person? No. Again, ego right aside. No, why would I? It's not my job. It's their job to talk to me because I am blah 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 X, Y, Z department and they have to come to me and talk to me. And the reason that lies behind is truly because you are fearing a difficult conversation. That's in my head, right, at least. Mm -hmm. So by having this time to move out of the office and trying to foster a culture where you can actually talk about issues, Mm -hmm. then I think you're uh, at least a couple of, again, another quarter of an inch better as a company. It's not easy, it takes time and it takes people a different level of consciousness to actually follow that path. But I don't believe, as I, as I started my meeting, I don't believe companies fail because they don't know how to do what they're supposed to do. That is, let's assume Berger Inglein, <laughs> no, no, don't talk about failure for Berger Inglein, but a pharmaceutical company would not fail because they don't know how to do medicines. Mm-hmm. If, if at all, they usually fail because they don't have a culture where they could sit down and solve issues together. So they fail because of culture, not because they were not capable enough to manufacture products.
1: So if every person becomes a quarter of an inch better every day, then we all get better every day. Uh, That's a beautiful purpose and a beautiful invocation. And I also appreciate... How consciously choose you're choosing to take your team there. You know, we start out talking about Sonora, the desert, the nature, taking people into nature that reminds us of things that are true between us that our mind, our ego sometimes forget that we actually can talk to each other, that it's actually okay, which may get to that sense of okayness that you were talking to earlier. So, Augusto, we are getting towards the the very last few minutes of our conversation. And so if you think about what you would like to say to future generations, you've been on this planet for a few decades now, right? What would you like to say to, to future generations or maybe younger generations about connecting, about what's truly important And maybe say a bit more also about this connection you've made with compassion.
2: I would start, um, and maybe this is my own experience, but the generations I observe today of youngsters have a a higher level of awareness than I ever, like I see it in my kids, right? I have... um, my, my, my son Augusto is, I think, three times more mature than, than I currently am. And Alfredo, on the other hand, uh, starts his day by meditating, but like daily, right? And, and he's, they're 23 and 22. And then my daughter also, she's uh, at school, they were starting the day when we lived in Argentina. With fifteen minutes of you know self centering before they started classes, so I think there are there are some trends towards increasing consciousness in youth. I don't think everywhere, but that's good to see. Um, and if I uh, this is the advice I give to colleagues in BI, uh, to the to the you know talents being developed in BI, um, a stay true to yourself, be patient with you, but stay true to yourself. That's point number one. And B, be open to the opportunities that you will have. And maybe to that second point, my plan was never, I never in my head had a plan to go to Germany for four years, go to Singapore for four years, go to Buenos Aires for six years, return to Mexico to this position it happened. The opportunity arose. And even when I had fears, I carried on doing it because it was aligned to my belief. So these opportunities will come. If you're open enough and your mindset is that of of being observant to those opportunities, you will see an X amount of opportunities once your mind is set to that. So... A, continue to be true to yourself. Ex- explore it on a daily basis, and B, be open to whatever opportunity lays lies
1: around you. Stay true to yourself and stay open to the possibilities that Correct. life offers every day. So, staying true to yourself, patience, passion. I Me, mean, that's one of the core insights and and transmissions that I'm receiving as I speak with you, Augusto, is the sense of patience and compassion. So maybe as, uh, as we get to more closing reflections, what would you say to somebody who is in their personality structure, impatient with themselves? Because they just feel like I have no choice I have no choice. I have, you know, I got so much going on. I'm so far behind. I am so much not what I want to be yet. And the world, by the way, is also not where I want to be. I just don't know where I find at all for patience. What would you say? Uh,
2: take a step aside, you know, and start breathing and start creating these Space um, of awareness okay, where you will realize uh, that there's always a possibility. There is always a possibility. And call a coach. <laughs> <laughs> call a Hilke. Call Because there is all, so, but, but you know, uh, this is, um, I think you need to be brave enough and conscious enough to actually, as you said at one point, raise your hand and say, I'm at a point where I, I can't move. Right. Yeah. I don't see possibilities. I'm, I'm and it's fine. And it's okay. So do not feel that it's, it's common. It happens. It happened to me. It happens to everyone. So it's not uncommon, but feel in, in this part or this segment about open, be open for possibilities. One possibility is to, you know, really explore um, how can you create this space of awareness to, to be aware of all the possibilities. And there's there are tools for it and one very useful tool is to find someone that can help you do it. Yeah. So
1: find the possibility of the possibilities, actually. To find the possibilities of awareness, of okay. there's actual awareness right now, right here. And we can allow ourselves to access it as you're speaking i feel the sense of being enveloped by it it's like ah i you know i was in this small room and i'm like oh no it's much bigger like oh let's look out the window there's all of this this life that i'm part of uh, so as i'm thinking of this conversation what really stands out to me augusto is is where you started with space creating space and and to me i sense from you that you don't take space lightly, even though you take it lightly, but you take it with a lot of purpose. Like, no, I'm consciously putting myself in this so that there that the experience of space actually happens. And not only for me, but also for the people around me. And I don't think it's a coincidence that your children are also on that path in, in their own way. And, but that's just entirely my, my assumption, might entirely be my ego saying that that's entirely possible too. And, Also, what I took away is this inquiring mind, like, okay, so what's not working? And that may be the question that we can leave each other with and leave all of us who have been listening or who will be listening to this with, like, what is uncomfortable to you right now? And what would it be like if you let yourself fall? The ego fall. Let the ego fall. Whatever you think should happen, let that fall. And let go of that. And let yourself enter into a space where you know that it's okay. Where you just know it's okay. Not some belief, but something that we experience. Just because you allow yourself to fall. This conversation, Augusto, has to me, to me has been a lot about letting go, letting go and surrendering, and then entering into space and not staying there, but then being of service to that. Augusto, maybe one final few words you'd like to say uh, by way of closing?
2: Just, just to thank you, Helke, for having me here today. Uh, thank a big, big thank you for uh, for the audience, for your audience, for who's listening. Um, my hope that a uh, few of the words that we've shared today are useful for them. Um, and maybe as, uh, just to close up, because this is very linked to Berger Ingelheim. Um, uh, this is a sentence I often use with colleagues when I see um, all over, uh, when I see that there's a, there's a level of uncomfort uh, uncomfort, non-comfort that they're experiencing. Berger Ingelheim is a company that has been around since 1885. And, and the company for sure will live for another 130 years. So Berger Ingleheim is bigger and will continue to be bigger than you. But at the same time, you as an individual are way bigger than just the company. So how do you merge both and live being aware of these both uh,
1: facts? What a beautiful invitation. What a beautiful invitation to perspective, paradox of, of greatness, of connectedness that goes beyond time and history that we're part of, that allows us also to transcend what is here right now and at the same time be fully part of it. So thank you so much, Augusto. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You've been listening to Ruth and Unwavering. We uh, invite you to subscribe to this podcast if you'd like to dive deeper. We also have monthly conversations, growth leaders network, community conversations that you can find on LinkedIn or on our website. Next time, January 27th, we'll be here with Valerie Bemo, who is a deputy director at the Gates Foundation, and she serves all emergency relief areas uh, from the Gates Foundation. And we'll hear more from her about being rooted and wavering. Augusto, thank you again for opening so much space and in perspective for us today. Um, That's it for today. Thank you again, everyone, for listening, for your presence. I hope you found some helpful nuggets to help you connect more deeply to what you truly and who you truly are. This was Ruta and Wavering, where we help to connect leaders more deeply to their innate potential. And I'm your host, Hilke Faber. See you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering, leadership conversations about courageous connectedness presented by the leadership development company, Growth Leaders Network. To learn more, subscribe to this podcast, connect with Growth Leaders Network and Hilke Faber on LinkedIn, or read Hilke's award-winning book, Taming Your Crocodiles. Now take a moment and appreciate something that is great about you. Celebrate the gift that you are and enjoy connecting more deeply to your best self today. See you next time on Rooted and Unwavering.